Hello. Hello there. We're back. I know that you all missed us, but we're back. We have been, uh, we've been preparing for this particular episode because we are both completely obsessed with the Tour de France. So that's what we're going to talk about this episode. Uh, Dr. Helen actually has been completely obsessed with the tour for a long time. Very. <laughs> um, I have always been a little bit of a fan of the tour, not as much as she has. But then during COVID, they started showing, um, they started showing uh, the La Volta, mm-hmm. uh, on, which is the Spanish uh, tour, uh, the Spanish equivalent of the Tour de France. Mm-hmm. It's one of the grand tours. Um, they started showing that on TV. And so I started watching it. Uh, last year, I spent a lot of time on my treadmill because it, our summers, the past two summers have just been really, really hot. Texas is melty. Yeah, it's We're been melty. very melty. So like, I mean, I'll get up in the morning at, at three o'clock in the morning to go for my run and it's, and it's 90, 80, yeah. 80, 90, it's 90, like a few days ago, it was 91 degrees at 3am. And I was yeah. just like, I'm not going outside. So I've been spending a lot of time on my treadmill and I've been wanting to watch, you know, I wanted to watch something on TV because I, you know, you get bored staring at the wall. <sighs> So I've got a TV um, in the gym where I run at the house and we just turned one of our, our spare bedrooms into a, a gym. So there's a treadmill in there and stuff like that. So um, anyway, we, I saw that the, the La Volta was on and I taped it. And so the two of us got completely obsessed <laughs> because neither one of us had seen that before. And it's a very different race yes, from I, the Tour de France. Yeah, I, I really had been, you know, for, for the longest time until last year, um, it really was just the Tour de France because that one was the only one that they really televised. That's the only one um, they televised. You know, here, here in the States. Yeah. So I didn't take time to go and try and track down anywhere else, but they started, the, but they, they, showed the Vuelta last year and that was so fun to watch as well. So I've been a, I, I've been really excited to be able to, to watch different grand tours now. Um, but I've been watching the Tour de France. Um, I mean, forever. You yeah, watch it forever. I, I, as I've long been, as you've been able to see it on TV. Know, and exactly. they haven't always shown all of the stages. Some no, of the times it, they would only show the stages like a, on the weekend. Like a weekly recap of yeah. here's what's happened this week. And that's that's what, you know, and that really started kind of in the 80s with when Greg LeMond, kind of the first American to really, really make um, make a splash in uh, mm-hmm. the uh, cycling um, at that in that type of cycling in that level. Um, that's really when they started to do those weekly recaps during the tour, um, just to you know, kind of let us know what Greg LeMond was doing and right. how, he, how he was doing each year. Well, because um, in the United States cycling, yeah, the United States cycling is not is not as um, big of a sport as it is in European right. countries, where it is a very big deal. Exactly, but but that started to really kind of shine a light on it, and um, then Seven Eleven sponsored mm-hmm. a team, and then it turned into U.S. Postal Service. Um, And we started having more and more riders who were really um, doing a lot um, in these tours and really having a lot of success. And it started to to, um, gain a lot of attention. And so they started to televise them um, here and they'd show each day's stage. Um, And once they started doing that, that was really during, you know, for for me, I'd say it was probably during the, um, you know, late, late 90s. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, that was 
that was on cable, there was a station that would, you know, start showing um, each day's stage. And um, that's, I'd really, I'd, I'd watch it religiously. I right. Mean, just, you know, every July, you knew where to find me. Um, and Just in case um, y'all are wondering, Amy is with our, uh, our dad in the other room watching television. So that's why you can hear the television oh, yeah, background. Yeah, you hear a little bit in the background. <laughs> Just in case you're wondering, I don't know what they're watching. I think it's friends. Noise. I think but, they're watching friends. Yeah. Um, yeah. But if you hear that, that background noise, that's, that's yeah, what that's they're doing. Um, so, um, but yeah. Um, and so I've been really watching the tour for quite a long time. Yeah. And really, it's been a, a bucket list thing that I want to do to go and, um, you know, follow the tour. Um, not for all the stages. I can't, do, I'm, I have altitude sickness, so I can't follow during the mountain stages. Right. Um, but, um, you know, I'd want to, I'd want to do, you know, uh, go and, you know, maybe for a week. Yeah, um, for sure. Go and, and just kind of follow along because there's so much that we don't get to experience just watching it. Well, there's a tour culture. There's a whole culture. There's people, they, you know, they caravan, they get, you know, they, and the European, um, camper vans and campers and all of that stuff they're called caravans and they caravan Mm -hmm. from town to town from area to area and And every everybody knows who they are like all the riders they'll stop and they'll they'll take photos with them Mm -hmm. they'll you know they they know the different people from place to place there's a guy who dresses up as the devil and has for years like 60 years or something like that for a very long time yeah and he's like some iconic character and he goes and he follows the tour from place to place and his signature to show that he is there at that stage is the bicycles Mm -hmm. that are painted on the ground on the Mm -hmm. asphalt so if Mm -hmm. you see a series of bikes painted then you know he's he's there there. at that stage Yeah. And so then they'll, the writers will look for him and so will everybody else. So it's, exactly. it's a lot of fun to watch, yeah. to watch that kind of stuff. There's been one guy that I have seen besides the devil guy dressed up as the devil. Um, he's in a, a lobster outfit. <laughs> have you seen the lobster guy? I haven't seen he's lobster. in a lobster outfit. There's also <laughs> a group of guys that were, that were, you could see several different stages. Mm. Um, they were dressed up as, as prisoners in yellow and black striped prison costumes how funny, how <laughs> inmate funny. costumes yeah there's a, there's a lot of yeah you see you know it's almost like um what are they what do they call the deadheads that follow the grateful Dead yeah around, for sure yeah you know, um, and, and different things like that you know they, they're just they they really um they really are into it and they they follow along and it really it makes it a, a fun time for the riders as well yeah for um, sure because that's a long time every day to be pedaling on a bike well um, it's you know and, it's four hours yeah, exactly day after day after day after day after day and whatever after day yeah so let's talk about um the tours we mentioned the grand tours um and there's there's three major tours of course there's lots and lots of races that happen during the season but there's three major what are what they call grand tours and these are going to be bike races that last over a series of 
a few weeks. It's not just a multi-stage race. These are longer races than that. So Correct. like the tour of Britain has, is, has several stages, but it's not considered a grand tour because it's not, it doesn't last three weeks with 21 stages right. or three weeks with 19 stages. Mm -hmm. um, it's a smaller tour, but it is still a, it is still a tour. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So, um, but for, for many years now, there have been um, three major grand tours and we have um, just kind of to speak about them in chronological order of the way that they happen each year. Um, we first have the, the Euro d'Italia um, and this is the tour that happens in Italy. It happens during the month of May um, and um, it's uh, again about three weeks long um, through Italy. Um, then we have the Tour de France, and um, this, uh, this one happens, of course, in July. Uh, again, for three weeks, it is the biggest, the longest the, uh, of the, the tour, so it's the major one. Um, and then we have La Vuelta a España, which, which is, is the one the that tour I'm Spain. completely obsessed yeah. with now. That one, that's the one they started showing here <laughs> on television last year. Um, but the Vuelta... Um, that, of course, uh, they're riding through Spain. This one um, usually occurs, um, it straddles over late August into early September, and again, about three weeks long. So, well, and um, they're all very different from each other. So right. it, it's one of the, uh, one of the things that I, uh, the two of us have talked about through the entire tour um, this year is how different this tour is from La Volta, which we, the two of us watched from the get-go from beginning to end last year we mm -hmm. and we really discussed in depth how much we enjoyed it and we watched every stage we watched every you know attack we watched right. every wreck we watched <laughs> everything and it we were both just so engrossed in that mm -hmm. that tour mm -hmm. And it is very different from it, this it tour. It'll be really neat to, you know, now that we've had a, you know, had a, um, a year that we've kind of got it introduced to it. Um, it'll be neat to watch that um, next month when it happens again and, you know, kind of have a little bit more knowledge about it, know what to look for mm -hmm. and really kind of um, dive in a little bit more on the, the kind of the differences between them and, and to, to learn a little bit more about it as well. And I've never seen the uh, Italian tour televised anywhere i have not either and i'm hoping that it'll be something that that you know starts to happen that it, yeah. that, that we that it are are able to access and watch all three of them well and um, i know that um with i i don't remember if peacock is going to be doing la volta but the streaming service peacock has had from the moment the tour i mean like it, they've had, you can watch six hours of tour coverage right. daily, yes. <laughs> which is a long time. It is. But, it's a full-time um, job for the month of July. <laughs> yeah. But um, they, you can go back and watch all of those, uh, mm -hmm. all of those different stages on right. that streaming service. Right. So, and I don't know if they did, I, I don't see that you can watch any of the, the Italian one. And I don't know if they're going to be doing the, um, I know, I think CNBC is the one who's going to be doing, right? but I, I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember. Um, but it would be cool to see the Italian one too, to see how much different that race is from, right. Right. from the other ones. Exactly, exactly. Um, the Tour de France um, has been going since 1903. Um, there have, of course, been years where it didn't occur, of course, during the, the war years, most especially like World War II and things like that. There have been times where the Tour was not able to run, um, but it has run just about um, every year. This year was the 109th 
uh, Tour de France since the very beginning. Um, and so uh, that was really uh, neat to see. Uh, it started in Denmark this year. Uh, the first three stages, as a matter of fact, were in Denmark. And it's interesting to note that it was in uh, 1954 that the tour officials at that time decided that they wanted to try and promote the Tour de France, get people more excited about cycling, um, pour, pull in more crowds and tourism and all those sorts of things that happened. Um, with a big undertaking like this. Um, and um, they decided that one of the ways to do that was to move some of the stages outside of France, um, especially opening stages, um, because if they could get the, you know, the another country, um, get their citizens to uh, get excited about the tour, then they'd watch the rest of it maybe and follow right. along the rest of it. So it was 1954 that they started having... Um, tour stages um opening tour stages that would happen in different countries and it is said, a big deal like yeah. when, you, when you go to the like we were talking about earlier that there's a culture to the tour like it's a big deal we just the two of us and i was surprised that helen didn't know all of this <laughs> but the two of us we they finally this year for the first time i can remember they talked about the parade that right. goes in front of the tour that gets everybody riled up for the cyclists that are coming. There's right. a parade yes. with floats and people are throwing um, trinkets and t-shirts and hats and yeah. um, towels and window shades and right. all kinds of stuff. I knew that out there of was, there. I knew that there was a kind of, um, parade squad, I guess, for yeah. lack of another term, um, that would come through um, to start to get the, the crowds excited. Um, but it's a parade. Time. But I didn't, I did not know that it was a full out parade. I mean, with it's... and all that. Yeah. I thought it was like, just, you know, maybe some lead out cars that were like, okay, they're about 30 minutes behind us and start throwing out some trinkets and get people on the roads excited. That's what I thought happened. It was not until this year they did a, a kind of a side story we about did. it that it is a whole stinking parade with floats and with i mean the whole thing and they break down and set up and move this whole parade around well and, and even the parade itself it is a culture and um, right. in and of its own because they they were saying that the people that are on the floats drive the floats and all that stuff that after their after the tour is over for the day, they party half the night. Yeah, away. well, I mean, it's a lot of times it's um, you know the 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 uh, workforce for that um, is you know college kids that yeah. are on their summer break um, that they hire to do this. So of course you know they're gonna just you know get everybody excited and then they're just gonna you know be able to you know go out and have a fun time for the rest of the day. I did Another read that every scene, single piece that they start. I did read that they start the parade every single day with like a million items mm -hmm. going throughout the entire parade. And every single one of those items has to be thrown out yes. to people before the parade is over. Yes, they have a certain amount that they have to do. And I think he said there's about 10 million little trinkets and giveaways that they're tossing out over the entire yeah. tour. And all of it has to be given away. 
before they can, um, before they can be done, right. which is, it's, it's fascinating. So when you're watching the tour and you're like, why is everybody wearing a polka dotted shirt? Like every right. single person is every wearing a polka dotted shirt. Right. Everybody or, has or a polka dotted hat. hat. Everybody yeah. has this, everybody has that. And it's because those are all giveaways That's that are were thrown out yeah. that day. <laughs> that is the thing they were throwing out. It's so um, crazy. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's really cool, but it gets everybody excited. And then, you know, of course, then they're, you know, really excited because then, um, they they really have to kind of time that parade to be not too early before the riders come through, but they can't be going so slow that the right that they're going to impact the the race, of the yeah. race itself. So that's it's really kind of this intricate timing that they have, um, you know. But um, you know they they've done a lot to really kind of make it an experience. You know, yeah, you, it's it's an experience. Go, when you go to their web when you go to the, the official tour website, there's even information about, hey, you want to come watch a stage? Here's what you need to know. Yeah. You know, it's free, but here's the things that you need to know. Here's the places you can be. Um, they work with um the local authorities in every town that they've got to pass through, not just the beginning and ending stages, but all the little towns that and villages they've got to pass through along the way. Um, you know, there's different in some of the mountain stages. Some of those um, roads get so um, tight and and narrow and twisty, turny um, that there was one of the stages where um, the local authorities came through and they said, "Okay, you know, at thus and so time this evening, this road is going to be shut down. No more traffic. So if you're going to drive up there to sit on the side of the road for the stage to come through tomorrow." know that you can't drive back down to, you know, come back to the town to get something or do anything yeah. like that. You're up there. You're up there till the until stage is the over. the stage is over and everything is broken down and then you can get back in your car. So if you're going up there, have everything that you need right now, yeah. <laughs> you know, or if you forgot anything, get back down there and get back up before X, num you know, X time tonight, because that's when it shuts down. And then they um, have some places where they repave the roads before the riders get there. Right. One of the roads had just been repaved and yes. that was, we had a couple of crashes. Yeah, there was, there was some, you know, and there, you know, it, uh, one of the things they talked about was the difference between the uh, Swiss roads, because there were some stages where they might've started in Switzerland and ended in France or vice mm -hmm. versa. Um, and there's a big difference between those roads. Apparently the swiss um, roads are amazing they're they're apparently <laughs> just like no potholes they are yeah. you know very well maintained um and so the french roads sound much more like american roads and i mean you could <laughs> see like you could when they came to the border when they were crossing into switzerland you could see the color of the asphalt is a different color. Like, well, you, can even, you know, you, you could see the texture difference. I mean, it's like we're going from TV. gravel to asphalt. Exactly. Like that's exactly <laughs> we're going from a dirt road to, to high gloss pavement. To high gloss, exactly. <laughs> We're going from a dirt road to high gloss. That's exactly what it looked like. It was really interesting too. Like where the some of the roads obviously are actually not a road at all, but a trail. Right. So you're not even like it's not even a road where a car would would necessarily ride on ever. 
except for the tour because right. it actually looked like it was more like a bike path right or and maybe not... a, maybe a service road yeah um, or or something like that so it's going to be like you know more more service trucks and things like that definitely uh, not a road you know. road uh-uh. well um, in yeah. la volta last year they had some that were called they were calling them goat paths oh, because they yeah. were so thin that only like a single, single rider, rider could get up at yeah. a time yeah, yeah. And that's, and they weren't even, that wasn't a road. It no. was literally yeah, a, a path. path. Yeah, exactly. One of the stages um, for this year's tour actually ended on an airport runway. Yeah, twice. Um, so yeah, there were two different times yeah. um, that, that there were airport runways that they were. That they and were I was telling on. Dr. Helen earlier, I, I've done several races where I've run on a runway and mm -hmm. it's, it's really a lot of fun. Like, <laughs> it's weird because you, you keep thinking to yourself like, well, this is where planes land. I know, like, right? Yeah. This is kind of cool. And there were, there was one race that I did that was actually at a military base. Mm. And so not only was I running on the runway, but there were military planes everywhere. So that oh, was pretty wow. cool. Yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah. yeah. One of the things, one of the, the uh, stages this year that ended, um, it was a mountain stage ending on a, uh, a runway. And it was one of the really, it was like a steep ascent yeah. to the finish line. And one of the things that, uh, that they kept saying is that, you know, this is because it is a, a, a run, obviously not for commercial airline, right? Um, but, you know, for, for other types of planes that were landing there, but because it was, they're landing on a mountain um, at the peak of this mountain, they're the, the, runway can only be so long yeah and so they use the steepness of the runway as another thing to help the plane slow down i know or so speed up if they're taking exactly. off exactly yes. um so they go they go down the, the incline <laughs> to take off they land going up the incline to help them slow down so they don't fly off the end of the runway and off the end of the mountain it's um, been pretty cool like it, it's also been really interesting that as many years as and even the commentators said this um, yesterday's not, not yesterday's stage, but stage 19, uh, or was it the time trial stage? No, it was yesterday's time, mm -hmm. time, time trial stage. That one started and ended in two villages that they'd never been to before, that the tour had never been to before. Both medieval villages that mm -hmm. were on a, um, on a pilgrimage path yeah, way. Yeah. But so it, yeah, and it, just you would think incredible it, scenery. Exactly. It's gorgeous. I love how they, you know, um, we get, you know, part of the coverage we have comes from uh, the helicopters that's, mm -hmm. that are that are flying um, above, uh, you know, along the entire, they follow them the entire day on every stage, um, the helicopter. And um, so we get a lot of footage from that. But it also helps us to see a lot of the wonderful countryside and a lot of the things um, that are there along the way, the beautiful cathedrals, the, um, you know, the, the ancient walls of different yeah. walled cities, um, you know, medieval, the small um, structures medieval towns. and things like that. So it's it's really neat to kind of see those different things as well, as, as well as simply the natural beauty that's yeah. there, that they're driving through or riding through as well. Well, and it's just, it's, it's so interesting because not only are you able, because they're, they're, we may never be able to get to France. 
Mm-hmm. That, so it's something it's, that I think it, about a lot. It's a bucket list thing for me. I really, yeah. really, really want to do it. But we might not ever it be able to get happen. there. Exactly. And so this is a way for us to be able to see a countryside we would never be able to see before. Indeed. Indeed. And, or it is, but if we are able to get there, it's also a way for us to understand what part of the country we may want to go to. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I mean, if everybody goes to stage, Paris. Yeah. If they're going to have stages in this area, then I really want to make sure that's the year that I go so that I can be, you know, have not only have uh, the day, you know, the tours stages that we're seeing, but then maybe I have other days that we're traveling around that, yeah. that we can just, you know, focus on the, the land itself and the area itself and all the different things that are touristy and, and wonderful to see and historic and all that sort of thing. And it's cool because, I mean, everybody's, they always talk about, oh, I'm going to go to Paris. I'm going to go to Paris. And I want to see and all that's the rest great, but too, I yeah. would I would really I rather go to these so medieval much. villages. Yes. And yeah, there's so much beauty out there yeah. and, and so much history as well. Um, so let's talk about just some of the, the basics of the Tour de France. Uh, for those of you who have who have not um, maybe watched it before or only gotten bits and pieces of it, uh, let's talk about some of the different things. We've got, um, you know, teams. Um, there's usually eight or nine teams that usually have eight or nine riders um, that um, are, are chosen. The teams, of course, have many more than just that amount of riders, but there are certain ones that are chosen to participate or be sent by their team um, through the, uh, the Tour de France um, or the Euro d'Italia or La Vuelta. Um, it depends on their health and ability at that time. But it also depends on what the team wants to try to achieve, especially if it's a team that's wanting to get one of the jerseys or have stage wins or whatever it is that that team might want to accomplish. That might not only be why a specific rider is chosen, but why others that are there um, on the team are there to support that rider achieving those things, especially if it's a jersey that they want to go for. So this year we had 22 teams. I gotcha. Um and I'm not sure. Let's see how many people. I think there were, I think that they were. Was Started with 218 people in the yeah. Peloton. Yeah. Um, and it was, you know, um, you know, and however many riders you lose along the way that you can't bring other people in. Um, yeah. You, know, you have to start just, with a certain you, amount you of start, people. You start with that. And, and that's what you've got the, for the entire time. Um, and um you know, so it's not like a basketball team that you can tag tag people in and out on and, you know, substitute people in and that sort of thing. You've got those people and those are your people for the entire tour. If uh, if they can't, um, you know, if they if they are injured and out, if they miss a uh, time limit and out or whatever the case may be um, and they're out, then they're out for the, you know, you're just down that man. Um, so um, we've got the teams um, and they are competing not just for stage wins on the day, um, but they are competing in other uh, categories as well. We have what's called the GC, the general uh, classification. And this is simply your time. Whoever is making it through the entire race in the least amount of time, that is our yellow jersey, our GC person. That and is, that's, the, that's basically who's... who's um who's made it the amount of uh, the amount of the entire race 
in the fastest time. Exactly. And and, and they would be you know, the person who ends up in the yellow jersey at the very, very end. They're the one who wins the entire thing. Correct. Yes. Correct. So they're, they're the winner. So, yes. So, so that's the biggest award that is based on least amount of time to complete the entirety um, of the uh, Tour, Tour de France. So that's who's the yellow jersey. Um, and whoever is currently in the lead in GC, um, that is who wears, there's somebody on the course who's got to wear each one of the four major jerseys at all times. Right. Okay? So GC, yellow jersey. Then we have the points leader. Um, as you go through each race, um, there are different points along the well, and it's race. Sprint points. Which, exactly. Um, and those sprint points happen at intermediate stages along the uh, along the race uh, day. And then also you get points for being the first or however many points are up for, for that particular stage. Um, you get points for your position uh, crossing the finish line. So in a sprint point would be, so if you are racing that day's stage, maybe um, 115 kilometers. So throughout those 115 kilometers, there's going to be little points throughout that mileage or kilometers that you can sprint to the finish line of that section and you will win those points. So right. it, it breaks the race up. So you're mm -hmm. not just, I have to ride 114 kilometers today. You right. are, I have to ride 114 kilometers today. And there's a chance of me winning 75 points if I can pass all these certain points in that 114 kilometers As before anybody person. else does. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and so if, if everyone is packed in the Peloton, then they might up at the front have a bunch sprint just for that intermediate sprint point right. along the race day. And just to tell um, you, a Pel the Peloton is, Peloton means group of riders. So that is that large group of riders all going together. That's what right. the Peloton there is. There may be breakaway groups uh, ahead of that. They may be people who have uh, riders or groups that have fallen off the back of the Peloton, but the Peloton is always going to be referred to as the biggest chunk of riders all grouped together. Right. That's the Peloton. Um, so the points leader for those points, that is then our uh, green jersey, okay? this That's the sprint jersey. We then have... So then the next one we have is... King of the Mountains. Yes. That's the polka dot jersey. That's my favorite. Yes. And this is... Um, these points are only going to be available um, when there are um, ascents that meet a certain category, you know, a certain classification um, in steepness and length and, and gradient and gradient and all that sort of thing. And then there are points that are available. So um, those who are competing for the polka dot jersey want to make sure that as they are going up these ascents, that they are the first people to cross over the peak so that they can collect those points. And depending on how, you know, how big and tall and et cetera, that uh, that particular peak was, there might just be one or two points for one or for the first couple of people. Um, if it's a really big, tall mountain, there might be more points and there might be more points for more positions right. passing across. 
the same goes with uh, the green jersey points. Right. Um, and there may well. be none for that stage. Exactly. It it's may a, be a completely fat, yeah. flat stage where they have no points. Exactly. Um, or that it's, you know, some of the stages are kind of flat-ish. There might be some undulations that are happening, um, but they're not, they're not big and tall enough or steep enough to really be categorized as anything. Um, and so there's not going to be any king of the mountain points that are um, available for that. But that's the polka dot jersey. And then finally, we have the white jersey. Um, and that is for the best young rider. So that is going to be the, the best rider that is um, under the age of 26. Um, and um, that's the white jersey. Now, as I said, all jerseys must be worn so, um, by somebody on the stage. So if there is someone who is in possession of more than one jersey, let's say that they are both yellow jersey and polka dot jersey, then of course they're going to wear the yellow jersey on the stage. Um, but the person in second place is going to wear the polka dot jersey um, because all of them have to be present. Right. Um, so, and um, I was confused by that for a little bit because um, I would be watching the stage and I would be like, well, so-and-so is the yellow and the polka dot at the same time or the yellow and the green at the same time. Why is so-and-so wearing that? And so I was confused for a little bit about that, but then I wasn't. Right. <laughs> I, was, right. I was just like, why? Oh, I didn't know. Yeah. So. And, and for instance, you know, by the, by the end of the stage last year, Tade Pagacha had um, both kind of yellow polka dot and white um, jerseys. Um, well, he's just the, greedy. He's, I mean, he's, <laughs> he's amazing. Darn amazing. <laughs> he's won the past two uh, tours. So he was going uh, this year for a three-peat. Um, and please remember, he's he's got the white jersey, which means he's under 26 years old. And, and he's, he's already, already won a two-time winner yeah. going for a third win. Um, so that is, I mean, he is really um, quite a, an amazing racer um now this year um while he has made an incredible showing he's not the one who's uh, he's not in the current with yellow the, uh with the yellow um we've got um jonas uh, uh jonas vigagart uh is he is incredible he is uh he is incredible again a young writer early 20s um, and he has really um, made a statement this year. Even his story is really cool. So mm -hmm. I, they talked about him a lot and they give his story. And he's just somebody who was discovered by Yumbo Visma, who is his team. Right. Um, because he won a stage on the Swift app. Right. Well, and that's how he was discovered. Right. Uh, and re um, remember this, he is from Denmark. The, we, we talked about how, how much they are a country of cyclists mm -hmm. just in general. Um, but he worked at a fish factory. Yeah, he was um, a fish packer. 19-year-old working at a fish factory and, um, you know, decided to go and compete in a, just like a weekend Well, and Swift race, is, a, is, a, you know. a, is a, it's a video game. Right. So you have your bike hooked up to a trainer, mm -hmm. your bicycle hooked up to a trainer, uh, the rear wheel, mm -hmm. and it electronically then hooked up to the Swift app. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. and you can compete in races on the Swift app. And Swift got very popular during COVID because right. we most it, of us were stuck in the house. Right. And so either that one or Peloton. Yeah. Yes. And so you can't go out and ride your bike. You can't go out and run. You can't go out and do anything. That's one of the reasons why I had had my treadmill for quite a while, but I really didn't use it as much as once COVID hit and I was on that treadmill. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's where I spent most of my time right. um, because we all, we were all in the house. Mm -hmm. So that app became so popular that people were just, and well, it and looks like would, it's a lot of fun. And they would, and they would sell it, you know, during the tour, they would yeah. have, they would, they would have commercials for it of, you know, ride the stage with the, the riders that day and you could log into your Peloton app or which or, or Swift. Swift app yeah. and um and on your screen as you're pedaling on your stationary bike you could see the same terrain that the riders were were riding through on the Twitter and you can so you ride felt it like you were right there in the middle of the Peloton with them yeah which is cool like I mean it's but you're it's just really cool. But you're on your stationary bike at home. Yeah. Um, so so a really just kind of a neat way to be engaged with uh, with the tour as well. Yeah. Um, so um, um, there were some uh, the one of the things that they've just to talk about technology. That's been something that that over the past yeah well you know, 21st century uh, has really affected the ability of these racers, um, you know, the, the, uh, in, in a very tremendous positive way um, to be able to use technology to understand how to make the best of not, not just the, the rider themselves and their ability, but also to understand how to improve the equipment mm -hmm. itself, how to, um, you know, improve nutrition so that they are getting the most energy at the right times and being able to um, you know, understand how to power their bodies through these grueling stages. Because it's grueling. Um, you, I mean, your nutrition has to be on point. And mm -hmm. I will say this, I am on a run streak right now where I have, I have run every single day in the row for 1,700 days as of today, at least one mile. And right now I'm doing about 50 miles a week and I have been doing about 50 miles a week for the past two years. So for, uh, in incredible. the beginning of my run streak, I was lit I was doing one mile a day runs, three mile a day runs, slower runs. But as I have worked my way through this run streak, I have built up my endurance to where a short run for me now is seven miles. Mm -hmm. If I don't, and, and I like to do, I like to do about seven miles a day. So and it, that's just kind of where I'm at. Mm -hmm. And then so my long runs on the weekends is when I do my long runs because then I can rest for the rest of the day and I can kind of recoup and really focus on my nutrition, get moving right. into the next week. Um, I like to do, you know, maybe 10 miles, maybe mm -hmm. 11 miles. Those are the kinds of runs that I'm doing now. And so to maintain this streak at 50 years old, which is how old I am, Yay! I have to be very aware of how much water I drink, mm -hmm. how much electrolytes I intake, mm -hmm. how much caffeine I'm having. Interestingly. Uh, interestingly, which is a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I usually get all the way to your allotted amount of caffeine a day mm -hmm. um, because caffeine helps your, it, a lot of people are just, they, you know, they're like, oh, I have to have my coffee to wake up in the morning with my caffeine, blah, blah, blah. Caffeine actually improves your 
performance. It can be used to help improve your performance right. because you're getting a boost of energy. But right. that also but you I want have to avoid to... that caffeine if you aren't right <laughs> at those levels of activity. Right, you don't need to do that if you're <laughs> that not. That caffeine there. is not going to. That's going to do different because you're not going to use it. That's going to be bad. Yeah, but <laughs> I have to be very specific about what I have for breakfast, what I have for lunch, what mm. I have for dinner, and it's very specific my diet is just to make sure I'm maintaining my run streak, not maintaining my weight, not losing weight, not gaining weight, not any of that, just to have enough energy to get mm -hmm. up in the morning and run the miles. So these folks, they have on-site chefs that cook yes. all of their food and have, all, and they're not just out there on the road eating energy bars while they're riding these you know, 150 kilometers a day, mm -hmm. they're eating homemade food that chefs are, are creating for them that are packed at, with nutrients, which is yes. that they're then like in these little cakes that they're eating, which is right. fascinating. Right. Or even like, it, it's, it's almost like a Rice Krispie treat, but it's like specialized. Yeah. So know? it has like pistachios and coconut and you know maybe protein powder and then or right. there's a and chicken curry are, and yeah, there's and all are, kinds of different ones that right. people like and then they eat these little pudding filled like pastries and it, it's just yeah it's I mean, fascinating it, it, 50 years ago it honest to goodness was a ham sandwich it was a ham like, or a peanut butter and jelly sandwich exactly. yeah you know but they've been able to to take the nutrition to a level where they can make it not just energy and and fuel, but specific energy and fuel for each rider of the team. Exactly, and each one of their specialist specialized exactly what they need uh, disciplines know. that they may be doing. Exactly, so it's really it's it's really fascinating how much they've done. And this is not the only sport that they've done that for. You know, yeah, they, I mean, you, they, yeah. they do they they do things for you know to help pitchers increase their speeds. You know, in studying you know, their arm movements and, you know, all of those different things. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's, 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 well, I mean, you not... can look at, you can look at the rocks diet. Like, I mean, his is very specific mm -hmm. and it's all then to fuel his lifestyle that he has. So it's, exactly. you know, every athlete has their own. Exactly. And I mean, you can get this kind of scientific nutrition anywhere, which I find to be really fascinating. The other thing that I learned yesterday because I watched, I was watching um, yesterday's stage while I was on the treadmill <laughs> um, and the coverage started very early on the Peacock streaming um, was that they were talking about the skin suits that they wear mm -hmm. for the time trials. Those right. suits are $3,500. They are custom like a, made. Yeah. It's like what the, what the um, uh, swimmers, Olympic swimmers. They have know. to be made on site. At the tour. Oh, isn't that so crazy? That was crazy in and of itself. So they showed that they may to make have sure like a team not taking advantage of yes. something that not everyone can have. So at the team's facilities, at their main facilities, like for instance, we'll take Yumbo Visma, who is the powerhouse team right now. Yumbo right. Visma has the most money. It they're like I would say the Yankees, but the Yankees are, have not been that great for years, except for this year, they're doing really well, but they, they are, they are the, think about a team that has the most money that they can spend. That's Yumbo Visma for cycling mm -hmm. for the men and the women. Mm -hmm. And they're able to make 3d prints of their 
riders. So they had, they showed a 3D print of uh, Wout Van Art, mm -hmm. who was currently in the green jersey. They had a 3D print of him in his skin suit in a wind tunnel to get ready for this, right? So <laughs> to get ready for yeah. this time trial that they then sent over the, all of the information that the people on site would need to make his skin, skin suit. suit because he's in the green jersey, his skin suit needed to be green. So they had to custom make it, but they had mm -hmm. to make it on site. So then the officials could look at it and make sure yeah. that it was correct. Yeah. Well, and, and isn't listen, that crazy for when, when the, um, you know, and if you've, if you've been watching uh, the stage, you'll, you'll see that as, as soon as he, as he, spoiler alert, won yesterday's time yeah, spoiler trial, alert. Time trial <laughs> Um, you know, he's, he's, you know, hugging his, his team captain and all that uh, team manager and all of that. But then they also walk straight into the, um, you know, the officials um, room or, or van or whatever it is um, to, you know, do the um, urine test, uh, you know, which, yeah. which all the Jersey holders, uh, wearers have to do after every stage, every stage winner has to do after every stage. Thanks Lance um, Armstrong. You know, checking for, um, you know, um, checking for any, um, illegal substances immediately. Used. Um, all of that is immediately tested. Um, as soon as they step off of, um, their bikes, um, well, and, and their so that, bikes and that are... happens after every single stage. And this year also, Every rider, every staff member um, was being tested at the end of every stage. They were being tested daily for COVID. Uh -huh. um, and there were, I would say, the majority of the riders that were not able to continue day to day um, or were, were taken out of. Um, there was probably about half of them that were because of positive COVID tests. Well, and they were talking about when COVID first hit the Peloton itself, they were talking about, oh my gosh, the COVID is in the Peloton. And so there was uh, a, a rush to uh, remove the riders from right public. Well, and, and also, a rush to and remove also the, the public staff members from and the, the riders yeah. and all that kind of stuff to, to make sure that we didn't, you know, have it to completely decimate the entire and ruin the tour. Yeah. That they closed been. down the start lines and the finish lines from fans exactly to keep the fans away, to make sure that the riders mm -hmm. were, were okay and didn't, because I mean, as we all know, COVID can spread very, rapidly. very quickly, yeah. very, very quickly. Um, and, you know, of course these, these guys can't on a, a long four hours on their bike, they can't be, you know, they can't wear a mask, um, you know, right. that, that would, it would be incredibly difficult to perform, um, and ride that, that long, um, with a mask, yeah. um, on that just be impossible. Um, so they had to be really careful about all of that. Um, but this year, some of the other things that they've done just for safety wise, they've, they've made some changes in the past, you know, this year and last year um, that have been really uh, kind of, you know, people were like, oh, wow, what? Um, and one of the things that they, uh, the, one of the rules that they changed um, was that riders can no longer utilize what is called the super tuck. Um, and if you've ever, uh, if you've watched any um, sort of, um, um, cycling. This is that where the rider comes off of the saddle or the bicycle seat and they crouch down and they're basically riding on that upper crossbar, yeah. that top crossbar. And it's so um, they can get 
the least amount of wind blowing onto their onto their chest and body exactly. as possible. And so they'll scooch utilize, way, way yeah, down. They're, they're going to utilize that um, as they're coming down off of a mountain descent. They want to get down as fast as they possibly can um, because they want to also use that downward power to then propel them as long as they can right. without having to then, you know, of course they're conserving their energy by making the most of that, uh, of that descent um, to, uh, you know, power them um and so that makes them really aerodynamic but the thing that you give up on that is control of the bicycle right so it makes it incredibly dangerous as you're coming down these really steep descents um to give up control of being able to you know slow down and turn corners well and, and, and all that sort of thing if you've ever watched the tour or if you've ever ridden your bicycle in the street and not on a trail the smallest nick in the asphalt could cause you to wreck. Right. It I mean, that, that, and sometimes even a paint stripe, you know, is too slick know, and, and you go over slick. it and I've you had that happen, not even on a bike, but just with my shoes. If yeah. I'm wearing a rubber, rubber sole shoe, um, you know, and I'm, and I'm walking across um, the parking lot, um, you might step on a paint stripe, um, you know, in the fire lane or, mm -hmm. or, you know, just in the, in the um, stripes between uh, cars for, for spaces. And it might just be a slick spot and just in, your own and shoes. it'll take you, you out. It'll take you down. Out. You go. Yeah. Um, and when you're going down 50 miles an hour, and they're going 50 miles an hour um, on the um, on that mountain, and they're wearing a skin suit. <laughs> that is, you know, that it's is just a tiny little old piece of lycra. <laughs> exactly. You are you are getting chewed up on that road pretty quick. Um, and we've you know we saw saw that happen. So so taking away that super tuck is asking the riders to, or, you know, making it safer, you know, right. don't, don't give up that control, um, simply for those, um, those, you know, extra few seconds or whatever. Um, the other thing that they, um, are not allowed to do this year is to rest their forearms on the center of their handlebars, except during time trial stages. You can see that little V, um, they're called um, skis. Okay, the, the skis um, apparatus that's put in the middle of the handlebar that they rest their elbows in and they then are kind of holding their hands together um, at the top of that. Um, it keeps their elbows in front of them, again, allowing for a very aerodynamic position. But of course, in time trials, they're, they're going very fast for a much shorter distance and not um, as many twisty turns exactly stuff like that exactly yeah. and not as many uh, a lot of times the time trial stages are also much flatter right um they're not necessarily absolutely flat stages but um they don't have quite as much um you know um ascents and descents that they need to, to worry about so we uh, they, they are allowed to utilize um pulling their arms in like that um, during time trials. But in other stages, they can't pull their arms in. They've got to keep their hands on their handlebars. Um, and that means that their elbows are out. Well, um, and if, you, if you've if you ever watched somebody, like I was I was telling Dr. Helen when I was uh, training for, I, I've done a couple of triathlons and I was training um, for them. And I, I purchased a set of those skis to put on my bike to, and you, yeah, like you can't control your bike. You, you're, you're resting your, 
leaning forward on your on your forearms like that and you can't just easily turn and maneuver you can take long sweeping turns where you're right. not really turning your bike very much but you can't make any type of tight turn like that in those things there's no control right so but the interesting so again, thing going yeah. back to technology those bikes that they're riding they're you know thousands and thousands of dollars there's as much as a car exactly. but they're all electronic shifting as well yes. so those skis they just have little buttons in the front yes. um, that they just push a button and it switches mm -hmm. the gears um but they also have uh automatic shifting as well right that, was, that so, happened with one of the um they were talking about this in yesterday's time trial stage um you know one of the bikers uh one of the riders had to change out his bike they were talking about that from the previous yep. uh, time trial that um that happened earlier in uh, and he had to to abandon his bike and get another one because the electronic system kept going into crash mode saying that he like he had crashed and so the bike was trying to take over to do some things to try and help the rider control the crash but he was just riding he, was he wasn't just he was just in a straight yeah. line um and um and so the bike was fighting him basically well and um, how fascinating it is that his bicycle like my bicycle is it doesn't have disc brakes it is just a regular bicycle. My bicycle is considered a commuter bicycle. So it has a little bit wider tires than a regular road bike. It still has the drop handles like a road bike and it still shifts like a normal road bike, but it it's not electronic because mm -hmm. I mean, who can afford those kinds of bicycles? Exactly. Unless but, you're a pro. Yeah. <laughs> unless you're a pro, but those, that electronic shifting where your bike is shifting for you. And it's like having an elect it's, well, I guess most people these days don't ever remember driving a manual vehicle. So it's right. like you're no longer shifting the gears. Your bike is shifting the gears for you as you're going faster. Exactly. And but or you still have for those control. Who, who do uh, to, you know? Who are familiar with driving a manual shift? Um, they're you know the high performance cars where mm -hmm. that shifter is just on the back of the you know steering on the wheel, steering wheel, and you're just hitting it with your finger instead of having to move your hand over and you know put do a that clutch harder in, shift yeah. in exactly you're just popping it with your finger um that's you know that's another you know kind of difference there um you know that just it allows them to again save energy save time and allow for a quicker um change in you know for second to second what they need yeah. to have happening with that bike um, i found it fascinating as well that um you know they talked about this yesterday that um one of the one of the gears they've, they've got so many gears that they can move into um and when they're trying to go as fast as they are and cover as much distance as they are in as little time as possible especially like in a time trial like yesterday's stage they might use a gear that's high enough that each pedal of the bike means that it is making their bike travel 12 feet, one pedal. Yeah. 12 feet. Yeah. That is huge. That's, it's, it's, that's insane. It's, it's really fascinating. So they're really making a lot of, uh, of the technology and that sort of thing. Um, What's also really interesting is, and I found this interesting just because I had recently read an article about 
all of the changes that have been made to bicycles and all of the technology that's involved with a bicycle, still that bicycle is chain driven. Yes. So if there's any mechanical issue to that chain, you're done. And we saw that. We saw that exactly happening mm -hmm. um, in one of the big mountain stages. Chains um, popping off. Exactly. Yep. Um, we had um, white white jersey uh, Tade Pagacha, one of his um, domestiques, one of his supporting riders on his team, was leading him up one of the high mountains, um, which means that that rider is working harder. You're getting, you know, Tade Pagacha is behind him, um, not, having, not having to work as hard because he's not having to fight against breaking you know, the, the wind. The, breaking the wind, that rider's doing that for him which means that rider's pedaling harder um, to get up that mountain and making it easier for his um, captain behind him uh, to get up that mountain. And as he is at that the highest point, they're at one of the steepest parts, um, and he is pedaling hard, that chain breaks. It, yeah. And you see him, you see him react. He doesn't fall off the bike, um, but he immediately has to get to the side of the road and Tade is on his own then having to, to pedal. Um, but you see his entire body jerk. It was at that moment, he is pedaling hard enough um, that he tore his thigh muscle. Yeah, so not only did the chain break, but because of the jerkingness of that chain breaking and, and how his hard immediate he was stop, pedaling at he that tore moment. his muscle. Yeah, exactly. He was pedaling that hard at that moment. That's how steep that gradient was. I think it was like a twelve percent um, gradient. I can't was, remember nine percent, something like that. Yeah, just yeah. straight up and down. And he was pedaling that hard, and that snap not only snapped that um, that chain, it. It tore his, uh, he tore his muscle, uh, his thigh muscle. Um, just, I mean. It was, it, it was, it was hard to watch. Indeed. Because as soon as, I, when I saw that happen, I was like, oh man, he's hurt. Yeah. Like you could see him just kind of limp over to the side and you're yeah. like, oh dang, he's hurt. Yeah. And I knew at that moment, I was like, if he finishes, that's great, but he's not going to start tomorrow. Uh-uh. And, um, Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. then he had to abandon. Yeah, he had yeah. to abandon because he was not able to start the next stage. He did finish um, that stage, yeah. but he was not able to start the next day because once they once they got him through the stage, once he, um, you know, um, they, they, of course, immediately as he finished, they did a medical exam and uh, discovered that uh, he had indeed torn his muscle. Um, well, and some of the and, great things about yeah. this particular tour, uh, if y'all get a chance, you really should try to see if you can't stream the tour and just watch some of the amazing moments that we've had in this tour. From what I understand, the commentators yesterday were saying that this is the fastest tour ever. Yes. yes. Um, so just with the nutrition, the technology, all of the um, the differences in just the the athletes themselves, mm -hmm. this has been. And Helen and I have said this the entire time that this tour had felt different from any other tour we've ever ever watched or researched or anything like that. And it, and it definitely has been. So it, it's been really exciting. And every stage has been really exciting. It's been even the stages watch. where you're just, it's just long and they're just on the road riding. Even right. that has been exciting to watch exactly. because there's been so many attacks and so many breakaways and 
just it's just been really right. a really, really been great able to tour. Kind of show their their abilities and their and their passion for the sport but i think one of the things that has really been neat about this tour is that it's just had such positive energy it's been really positive um, there's you know they're 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 absolutely competing they do not do not think for a moment that they're out, just out there having fun. They are having fun, um, but that they're you know just out there. Hey, you know, um, here we go. Let's ride the thing. They are absolutely competing and doing their best, but they are doing it in a way that is very positive. That competition is not. I'm, I'm going to take you down. You know, it's, well, and I it's think been, it's been the leadership, the leadership right. that's out there has been very, has been really positive this entire time. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I think that we can take away from the, the positive positivity of this particular um, tour has been just the, the, there was one moment that, for, okay, let me back up. For me, sportsmanship is very important. Mm -hmm. And it was because as, as a kid growing up that dad would teach me, he was like, listen, it's important. It's fun to win. And that's great. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, as many teams as I'd been on and as many races that I had done and all of the crazy stuff, stuff that I did when I was a kid. And he was like, and this is great and it's fun and it's so fun to win, mm -hmm. but it's more fun when everybody has a chance and right. you are happy for everybody's accomplishment. Right. So sportsmanship is very important to me. Mm -hmm. And there was a moment in the tour where um, the yellow jersey and the white jersey, who are rivals, were mm -hmm. off on their own. They had broken away from the entire peloton. The two of them were fighting. Um, they were within minutes of one another. Uh, you could tell that Tade Bagaccio wanted that yellow jersey back so bad he couldn't hardly stand himself. Vinegard was like, you're not going to get it. You could tell how the competitive they were with one another. And they're going not, not only for that yellow jersey, but they're going for that day's stage win. Well, I mean, and not only out. was that day's stage win was pretty much the decision of the tour. Yes. Like it, it was stage 19. Whoever was going to, whoever ended up in the yellow jersey was going to be the winner of the tour if they cross the finish line at the end, yes. if they were able to stay in the tour for the next two stages, they were going to be, they were going to win. Yeah. So they were fighting for the tour. They, mm -hmm. I mean, they were, it was yeah. all out. This was the defining moment. They are going down this mountain and they're going 45 miles an hour down the mountain. And it's a brand new paved surface. They called it chip and seal. And so there's mm -hmm. still a little bit of gravel on the road. Right. And you could see Vinegard coming, spoiler alert, you could see <laughs> Vinegard coming down and he hits a little area and he almost loses control of his, his bike. back wheel popped up off the ground. Oh, it was terrifying. And, and, and like slid across. I could not believe the strength he had to keep that bike up and going and going and he so it, but then the next i mean within seconds after that tade bagaccia he hits a, some gravel he takes the turn yeah. too wide he hits some gravel and he goes down yes and instead of taking advantage of that moment right Vinegard slowed his pace and waited he kept looking over his shoulder you know of course he can't stop on the road but he he I mean, of course, in that moment, he shot right by uh, yeah. Pagacha on the ground. But once he's, you know, 
looked over his shoulder and saw that that Pagacha had gone all the way off the bike, he slowed down to a snail's pace. He slowed down and waited started, for him to catch back he up. Waited for him to catch up. He, you know, you could see him kind of, you know, talk to him for a minute, like, are you okay? You all right? Um, you know, Pagacha. Um, reaches out and shakes his hand like thank you yeah. for waiting for me that they is do like sportsmanship a, they do like a fist bump pat each other on the back and boom boom right back to the car, <laughs> right you ready let's go and they laid it back down again it was awesome it, it was, was really and that's what i that's what we mean by that positivity of competitiveness they can be competitive but not like the I want to see you go down, not like and not the, get back up. Not like that. I'm going to call this writer out. Not like the uh, Miguel Angel Lopez's of the world, who oh. is not <laughs> the best, uh, or the who is the Mark Cavendish. <laughs> Ellen doesn't even want to say his name. These those are risers that are are not and sometimes be a little bit more uh, too too aggressive. That's what we'll um, say. See how aggressive. nice we are. They're too aggressive. Um, and you know, of course, we you know there were early early days where where a situation between two riders um, in a, a year and a half ago in the tour of Poland, um, there were two riders who won stages early. Um, in this season, who are still actually um, in legal battle over the results of the competitive writing that they had. Yeah. So there, there is there is absolutely aggression that can happen um, in the peloton as they're fighting for position. It is a game of inches and seconds. It's well centimeters, millimeters. And yeah, I mean you and can see those. They those are finish. fighting for position. Um, there, you know, there are techniques where, you know, they've got to kind of lean against one another if somebody's coming into their line and that sort of thing. And those sorts of things, are, it's part of it. It's part of it. But there is a line that can sometimes be crossed where it's too aggressive and you are, you're, you're trying to take somebody's wheels out so that you can get that advantage. Right. Um, and we, that we didn't see that type of writing in this race. And that was really great because it's just it, been uh, pure. it allowed it to be exactly a pure race and it's been fun it allowed it to exactly. be fun and it and it showed what cycling can be instead of this you know cutthroat cycling it mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be like that like you exactly. can just be out there showing your sportsmanship and your own ability and not have to try to cut somebody else's wheels out from underneath you because you are so desperate to win, mm -hmm. which is, is, I mean, it's, and you can see that desperation to win in a lot of different areas. I mean, it's, there's a lot of money at stake. This is your career. This is your life. This is your livelihood. This is how you take care of your family. This is how you're going to retire. All of those things. This is where everything in your life comes from is from this, this one thing. But I think in the end, if you do that one thing mm -hmm. in a positive way, mm -hmm. you will get positive results, right? even if you're not the best. Right, right. I mean, we still have riders who are able to... Well, know, take for instance, Quatana. Quatana oh, oh, yeah. Who Quintana. he's, I mean, he's been around forever. And he's, I think, number six overall right mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. And he um, he may not be some superstar, but he's consistent. 
He's always there in the top and he's been able to make a really great career out of his cycling. He's won, he's won some other races. He's won some stages stages. in his time. Yeah. Yeah. But he's also somebody who he, at this point is a veteran and people look up to him because he is a sportsman and he's not just out there to cut your wheels out from underneath you. And I think that's great. Or my, my favorite writer, um, Gary and Thomas. Yeah. Or Peter Sagan. Peter Sagan. Yeah. I mean, these, these are great energy. energy. Always fun to watch. Yeah. So today is the final stage. I don't know if y'all have watched it. We haven't watched it yet. We I taped it, but we haven't watched it yet. So look for Dr. Helen's um, stage uh, uh, update uh, today, if she can get it to it, or tomorrow morning, if I can get it to it, depending on what time she gets it done, because I go to bed really early. Um, and <laughs> she doesn't. A. M., so. And because uh, 3 a.m. comes real early. And I still get up because <laughs> I got to run. I but um, no, she does not. No, she sometimes she's probably still awake, but um, yes. <laughs> but we uh, right now starting today we had the first edition of uh, the Tour de France. I'm going to say it wrong. Femme. Yes. Femme. Avec Swift. Swift. Yes. Okay, I don't know if I said that right, but I you did the best I could. Absolutely right. Okay. <laughs> and that is the first edition since. Did they say the 80s? Yes. 1985? Something like that. The last it's been like, one, I it's think. been like 35, 36 years, something like that. Something like that, that they've had a <coughs> a, a multi-stage <coughs> women's me. event, Tour de France mm-hmm. women's event. Um, so that's very exciting. And it started today. And I did watch that stage this morning, and it was very exciting. I have it recorded. I cannot wait. To and watch. the women are very excited to be back. They Again, they have always had a single stage, but they've never had... Um, they haven't had a multi-stage like this in a very long time. And there is a lot of hype around it. So that's very exciting. I know that the Italian one and the Volta, the Spanish one, um, both have multi-stage races now as well. I don't, I don't think that the Italian race was televised anywhere. If it was, and y'all know where I could stream it, please let me know. Mm-hmm. Um, but both of the, um, the Voltas will be televised this year. So you would be able to watch them on streaming services. Um, But they're only showing two stages of the women's race on regular TV. Uh, Anything else you'll have to stream on the Peacock channel and you can stream all of those different stages. And they are, they're going to prove to be very exciting. Yes. Uh, And one of the things that I found really exciting that I was talking to Dr. Helen about earlier today and to Amy about yesterday was when I was doing my research and getting ready for the, for the women's race to start, um, they were saying that it, the reason why the women only having an eight stage race, as opposed to a 21 stage race has nothing to do with anyone thinking the women can't do it. It's that the Peloton is not big enough to support more than eight stages, Correct. which is fascinating. Absolutely. And I was talking to Amy about this throughout this race because she's been watching it too. Um, is that the Peloton itself is its own animal. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you've ever seen a group of birds doing uh, that stuff in the sky or fish, mm-hmm. schools of fish that do right. where predators are around and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And they all bunch together and they, mm-hmm. you know, kind of make these or beautiful penguins, designs. Um, in, uh, making their huddles in the, heat, in, the, in the extreme cold. Right. So the Peloton itself is its own animal working together where all of the cyclists are working together 
for a common goal. And there may be breakaways here and there, but when you start a Peloton, when you start a race at only 144 people in the race, and there's a potential to lose a third of them, right? that makes the rest of the race difficult because you don't have all of the rest of the people to help you, the individual, get through. Exactly. You may lose entire teams. Exactly. And then the entire team is out. Right. So where the women's teams, each team has, there's, a, I believe, 24 teams that are in this race, and each team has six teammates. Mm -hmm. The men's team has 21 teams. Did we say 21, Something 22? Like and each one of those teams had uh, like eight, eight or, or nine, nine yeah. teammates. So where, you know, if so you start out with 200, we're already down to on this last day, 138 riders. Yeah. That's, you know, that's a, that's a huge that's 70 people that we 70 have, riders you know, that, have, that have been lost um, over the course of the three weeks, but we're still at about that same amount of riders that the women's um, race is starting with. So if you think about that, that would be half of the women being able to finish 21 stages. Yeah, that's, that's, you know, it's, you've got to have everyone kind of working together as that unit in order for everyone's energy to be able to last that long. Right. So if you think that cycling is an, is, is not a team sport, then I'm going to tell you right now that you are it has, incorrect. It absolutely is. <laughs> everyone has to, everyone has to work together. Yeah. It, it's not only together. a team sport, but all of the teams have to work together for the greater good of the group. Mm -hmm. So it is a very, very, um, group oriented sport mm -hmm. to be able to work through everything that you need to go through. Now you may be out there riding your bike on your own right. and that's cool. But if you want to get into a race and you want to do one of these races that are out there, cause there's plenty of races that you could do. Um, like in Texas itself, they have the MS 150 every year where they run a ride 150 miles over a three day period and donate all of the money to um, MS mm -hmm. uh, organization. So they had, and I have a couple of friends that do that, but I mean, if you, if you think that you can just get out there and ride those 150 miles on your own no, no, no. over three days, uh -uh, no, no. you need people out there to help you. So it's, Absolutely. it's been, it's very much a team sport. So mm -hmm. I found that to be really interesting that they said that the Peloton is just not big enough to support that many. So that has one of the things that we could look forward to in the future. Right. Hopefully it will really be something that yeah. gains in strength, that we have more um, athletes that are able to be supported to reach that pro level. And that's um, another point and... is able to be supported to reach that pro level. So if you think about all of the people that are in the Peloton for the men, I would say probably 85% of those people of those men that are out there in the Peloton, I would think that 85% of them are full-time pro cyclists mm -hmm. and the rest of them may be part-time pro cyclists mm -hmm. to where they do get money for cycling. They do get sponsorship for cycling. They do get training for all of that. They do get paid to go to training camps, but they do have to have a part-time job. And maybe that part-time job is working on the team. Um, you know, maybe they're, they're still working in cycling, mm -hmm. but you know, they're not, out there, you know, working at the grocery store during the week and then right. trying to get in a training session over the, you know, when they're not at the grocery store working. Right. It's like a golf pro working at a golf at the, course, at the golf but course. also competing in pro competitions. Right. And so, you know, for the, for the women, I would probably say less than half 
that are in the Peloton this year are are 100% sponsored pro cyclists where this is all that they're doing. Mm -hmm. But not only are they just doing, you know, they may just be doing that, they're still having to take care of their families as well. Because most of the women that are out there have families. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, you know, us us ladies, we gotta do it all, so. So some of these, some of these women out there, they have full-time jobs there, but they're also full-time training and trying to take care of everything outside of, of cycling as, as well. So, you know, you have to give, you have to give the ladies, you know, their props because that's pretty incredible. Absolutely. Absolutely. Pretty incredible. And it's, it, it was a really great stage to watch. So I hope that y'all get a chance to support the the um the women cyclists that are out there so it's going to be really awesome i think the volta is only going to be five stages for the women this year mm. um but that should be really awesome and it's gonna it happens right after the men's race yeah. so in september yeah very cool yeah if you um don't follow us on the social medias please do we have a uh facebook page uh curiosities uh podcast look for us on facebook um, We're and also we on also Instagram. have Instagram um, at Curiosities Podcast. Um, look for us on the Instagrams uh, there. Um, and if you didn't realize uh, this, if you're only just now um, finding out about our social media pages, um, please interact with us there. Let us know um, what you think. And if you have any ideas of things that you'd like to hear us talk about. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then we also, also have here, uh, you can also um, look back at um, our posts. I did a um, uh, a recap back and mentioned um, of each day's stage um, and you can go back and read those. Um, and it gives you a lot of, or a lot of really good information on each stage. If you're not able to, you know, really go and look at the stage or watch the stage, but you just want a little information, then Helen's recaps are really awesome. Um, but you can also follow us on um, YouTube. I do have a, a YouTube channel from my old podcast, which was chit chatting with Becca. And I put stuff up on there all the time that I also post on um, our other social media pages. So check us out, give us a follow. And uh, I guess we'll, we'll see you next time. We'll see you next time. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. Okay. Bye. Bye.